G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. On 882 6BR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. Hello, my name's Tim McMillan. It's my great privilege once again to welcome you to this edition of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Bower and O'Day, doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. My guest uh, for this edition has been behind successful arts and entertainment ventures for the past 25 or so years. He's best known as the founder and CEO of the awesome Fringe Festival and also uh, his work as CEO of ArtRage, a uh, not-for-profit arts organisation and charity. Marcus Canning, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Stories. Um, let's go back to, uh, to, to the beginning of uh, your career in the uh, arts and entertainment industry. Um, was it always uh, where you saw yourself going? Um, well, I studied fine arts at university yep. um, and... Um, always imagined that uh, I'd end up being a, you know, a full-time practicing artist. Um, but whilst I was at university, I um, I, I started a uh, a gallery and a, a warehouse collective. This mm-hmm. was back in the '90s um, when there were a lot of empty spaces still still available all through the city. It was in a recession, mm. um, and a lot of the creative. I types. remember going to some parties in some of those. There you go. Mm. I think I think we probably hosted one of those parties. <laughs> probably, yep. yeah. Hazy memories. Yes, indeed. Um, but a big group of us, you know, art students, fashion designers, musicians, writers, all sorts of creative types. We we established this collective, and it was it was a bit like a '90s Berlin squat, really. Mm. We were kind of living there as well as you know running this gallery and and having parties and big events and stuff. Um, and it was during that period, I guess, that. Um, this uh, this this spark, well, this realization occurred that um, I really like the idea of of creating these opportunities where large numbers of people get to engage with the arts, and yep. that a lot of my skills um, and um, my interests kind of resided in that. So I have I have kept up my my own art practice over yep. the years, but um, but more and more and more, um, I've I've gotten more and more interested in these platforms where lots and lots of different types of people get to see lots and lots of different types of culture. And there's, there's no bigger or wilder or more diverse platform than the Fringe World Festival. Yes. Um, so it's been thrilling, you know, to be so involved in that yep. um, with a team of extraordinary people mm. and just seeing how, how successfully that festival has, um, uh, just how many people in, in Perth have been inspired by it. And, yeah. and attend, yeah. It's become such a, a huge thing on the Perth calendar. It's, you must, it's you, a behemoth. Must give you warm fuzzies <laughs> to see how big it's become. Yeah, it's just, it's just great to see people engaging with the work. You know, it's, it's a thrill every single year. Um, and how much a festival can transform space. Um, this, this last weekend, you know, we, we had our biggest two nights of trade mm. in the entire history of Fringe wow. World. And, um, those nights in Northbridge where the entire precinct is just buzzing with people who are out running between shows, seeing as much as they can. And the streets are really alive and full of color and, and it's festival time you mm. know? and it's, it's the whole space is transformed and, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit magic. 
In in your role though, as you're trying to to curate curate this festival, um, you've you, I suppose you're trying to appease uh, people who are all already drawn to to the arts and culture events around town. But I suppose as well, you're trying to uh, expose people who otherwise wouldn't be um, into these sorts of events as well. How do you go about getting the right balance? Yeah, well, one thing is the the team doesn't use the word curate. Um, okay, yeah. I'll retract that. I apologise. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a different kind of thing. There, you know, there are different types of festivals, there yeah. different types of arts festivals, and yeah. some arts festivals um, are fantastic because they they express the singular vision of an yeah. artistic director. You know, and they're very very refined. It's it's their choice. Fringe Fringe is a very different animal. Mm. Fringe is is I guess the open market model mm. where anything goes. It's it's a very democratic model. Um, Fringe puts the opportunity out there for anyone, whether they be local, national, international, um, to, to come and do their stuff, whatever art form that they might be, might be expressing themselves in, whether it be comedy or circus mm. or cabaret or all these different things. And, um, um, which is why it, it, it can be such a huge diverse smorgasbord of things. Um, because there's, there's no single person that's running around choosing all those things. Mm. They're, they're self-managing. Mm. Um, and then it's really up to the, up to the audiences to decide what it is they want. Again, similar to a, to a smorgasbord. Mm. Um, you know, some people love comedy, other people love circus. Um, we really love to see that over, over time, um, people start to see lots of different things. Yes. You know, they might come in and see, you know, see a cabaret show one year and then the next year they're seeing two cabaret shows and the next year they're seeing four, four circus shows and blah, blah, mm. blah. And, we, and they slowly grow to become what we, we refer to as fringe binges. Mm. And fringe binges, you know, <laughs> when, when they're, they're, when they're fu- fully developed, they're out there every single <laughs> night, rapidly, yeah. seeing as many shows as possible. They're um, those people on the cruise ship hitting the buffet every night. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, look, we've, um, yeah, we've been thrilled. We've been thrilled that this, yeah. is, this fringe, um, it's now the third largest in the world. You is know? that right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's over 400 different fringe festivals around the world. Um, and we, we've grown to be the third largest um, in a very short window, in seven years. Yeah. It's had a lot, lot of other cities really scratching their heads. Like, yep. wow, how did they do that? Um, and in so many ways, that's, that's because the, the appetite was there from the people of Perth. Mm. Um, right from the, the, the outset, all of the national and international artists that have been visiting have always said like, wow, Perth audiences are mm. amazing. You know, they're so appreciative. Mm. They really love it. They're up for anything. Why is that? Is it because uh, there's been a, a sense that we've been starved of it for a long time? Yeah, or? I think um, I think that we, we you know, cre- launched Fringe World just at the right time. Um and and there was a sense that um, people were waiting for something a bit, um, you know. It was this we rode this wave of of urban renewal in many ways. Um, so much about what Fringe World does is um, create these big pop up festival environments mm. um, throughout the city. We use a lot of of pop up theatres and Spiegel tents and circus tents, and so we create these these fantasy environments, you know, these mm. that, that are there just for the festival and then they disappear. Um, and we could do that because there was this real sense of, of urban renewal and a new city and, mm. and these spaces were being made available for just this kind of activity. Mm. And that's, um, that was all really part of the package. But I think it was also a time when people were really starting to, I guess, um, reimagine what, what it means to be mm. you know, living in Perth. And, mm. and the, hey, you know, we've, we've got access to everything we could possibly mm. want here lifestyle-wise. 
Now we've also got, during this amazing festival period where you've got the Perth Festival and the Fringe World operating mm. together, we're one of the world's best festival cities now. Mm. It's great. You just don't need to go anywhere anymore. You no. Just, yeah. All the more reason to just bunker down here in Perth. And go on a Fringe bench. Can I ask, though, uh, it must have been uh, tempting, almost the done thing for a lot of people that perhaps you went to uni with uh, to complete your studies, and if you wanted to sort of go out and immerse yourself in the world of, of arts and culture, you'd leave Perth. Yeah, sure. Was that, was yeah, that yeah. ever... You yeah, must have got oh, look, sick that's, of saying goodbye to people. Pretty much that entire collective of people that I, I you know, cut my teeth with back yeah. in the day um, uh, all, all went overseas. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't know, I, I just, uh, right from the outset, set, um, I've really enjoyed the fact that um, what you do here is making a, has made a big difference, you know, and mm. um, and that's that's kept me really, really interested in continuing to develop new things here mm. for, for arts and culture. Um, I think also the fact that, you know, every, everything I've always done has been about um, a lot of emergent artists, a lot of new artists, um, which is a very exciting field mm. to be in. You know, it's um, mm. when people are first starting out and trying new things, um, there's, there's, there's in, in the core of that is, is newness and freshness. You know? mm. So, yeah, I've I've always con- been inspired by what's happening here, and but also what can happen here. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sticking around because oh. you've you've made a difference. That's for sure. Um, we're going to get uh, into more of that uh, in just a moment. Marcus Canning is our special guest in this edition of Inspiring Stories. Back with more here on eight eighty two six PR. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since eighteen eighty eight. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since 1888. And welcome back to this edition of Inspiring Stories. Marcus Canning is my special guest. Marcus, can I ask, did you grow up in an artistic family? Was the, was the seed sown very early on in life? Um, both my parents were um, medical practitioners. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dad was a GP. Um, mum, so when you said you wanted nurse. to be an artist, how did that go down? <laughs> um, but well, that being said, it was a very—it was still a creative environment. Yep. Um, and one that um, supported, you know, kind of freedom of expression, in lots of ways. It was quite a playful environment. Yep. Um, but yeah, we had had some interesting times during, um, especially the latter part of, of high school, where mum mm. in particular thought that I was maybe. Um, focusing a little too much on my on my fine arts, um, and uh, thought that you know I wasn't re- going to reach my full potential mm. because of that. So we we had an interesting. We came to a deal um, where, and we actually made a contract where if I got into law, then I could pull out of that and then go and do whatever I wanted to do, and she'd never be able to accuse me of, of slacking off ever again. Right. Yeah, yeah. And how did that play out? It played out as as, a, as per the terms of the contract. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which um, I think it took a, many, 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 many years yeah. for mum not to feel regret about that. Like, yeah. Got into law, but decided yeah. to pull out and went off and, and did fine arts. But um, and at I think what she point understands did they, it nowadays. Did they yeah. concede, yes, you, you've, you've followed your dream and good on you for doing it? Um. Oh, probably. I think, yeah, I'd, uh, it's, it, it took a while. Let's yeah. just say that. Yeah, yeah. It took a while. I think uh, as soon as, you know, there was a certain degree of popularity yes. to what it was what I was doing. Mm. Um, 
then, yeah, because maybe understand a little mm. more. Yeah. Uh, going back to the early 2000s, uh, Art Rage mm. was your your number one project uh, back then. It, it already existed um, yeah. when yeah. you came on board. But for those who aren't familiar with Art Rage. Mm. Well, Art, what, Art, Rage is, Art Rage is still the organisation behind Fringe World. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this was a, an, a, an organisation that was born in the early 80s. Um, uh, I think the year of the America's Cup in 83. And it actually launched as Perth's first attempt at a fringe. Right. Right. Um, so it started as the Festival Fringe Society of Perth. Um, and it was just local artists down in Frio at the time mm-hmm. who tried to run a, a program alongside the Perth Festival. At the time, it was thought, you know, that, that they can't handle the competition. Um, it wasn't going to survive. So they um, shifted it to its own springtime spot and it became the Art Rage Festival, mm-hmm. which was very much about just local, local artistic practice. And that, um, that ran very, very nicely all the way through to early 2000s. Um, we, we had a real kind of moment of soul searching around then, um, around the 25th anniversary of, of Outrage, um, which was the 2008 festival. And coming out of it, there was a real sense of like, well, what are we going to do for the next 25 years to, you know, to keep pushing this? Mm. Like if, if this organization is going to continue to do what it's meant to be doing, which is enriching, evolving, keeping things moving... Um, and, uh, you know, out of that conversation came this idea of like, now's the time to, yeah. to reintroduce or, or really launch a proper fringe festival running alongside yeah. the, at the time, the Perth International Arts Festival. Yeah. And, um, yeah, seven, eight years later, here we are, you know, we've got these, these two incredible festivals mm. creating this amazing summer, mm. summer season mm. where there's just so much going on everywhere. Mm. Um, you know, from, from found spaces through to all the major theatres and um, it's great. Mm. Yeah. You've glossed over some of your personal achievements, though, of course, uh, during your time in, uh, at Art Rage. Uh, I understand it was turning over about uh, $400,000 a year back when you came on board in 2002 and uh, now we're talking millions. So have you got some sort of yeah. Midas touch, do you think, when it comes to uh, just tapping into what people want from these artistic organisations? Um, well, I mean, you know, we're we're at there's a twenty four million dollar turnover nowadays, mm. you know, and most of that is is actually box office. Yeah, you know, which speaks to the the popularity of mm. of this festival, and most of that box office is going going to artists. Mm. Um, which that's that's one of the things that gets us really really excited, is that you know, because we've created this platform which is generating all this additional support and income for artists mm. that wasn't there before. Um, so I, don't know, I, I, I really like the fact that um, we're working in an organisation that is a not-for-profit, that is a registered charity, that we're doing big business, we're doing big entertainment business, but it's all going back into the, back into the ecology, mm. back into, into keeping, things, keeping things fresh and creative. Um, that's, that's what inspires me is it difficult to, on a on a personal note to i suppose marry those uh responsibilities obviously you've got to find new and exciting art you've got to also balance the books as well being a not-for-profit uh, yeah. is it is that is that a tough sort of balance for you to strike um well i've, I've got an amazing team um you know, uh, once the festival got to a certain scale um uh, we we separated out a few roles, and Amber Hasler, who's the, the festival director now, you know, heads this programming team. Who, as I've said, they don't curate, mm. but they, um, you know, they keep a very careful eye on the 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 mix of 
different types and size and and style of show across the different festival sites mm. to really keep ensuring that the festival has that that you know diverse offering and that you'll people will find something that really suits them across mm. the festival but also really trying to keep an eye on um offering the best possible you know best possible support to all the independent artists mm. you know that's that's the ultimate responsibility of the festival um and yeah i mean it's 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 me personally i really i like the numbers mm. i really do i get a, i get a thrill from them um the same way i get a thrill from the the creative end of the spectrum too mm. which um i guess is where the you know creative entrepreneurial thing comes comes in mm. um and is is something that very early in the piece i i found that 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 gelled with me really yep. really well yeah yeah and i like managing big projects yeah you know? i really do yeah i like the logistics of it i like you know um at times we say, you know, doing something like Fringe World, it's it's kind of like a you know a small military operation, yeah. In some ways, you know, yeah. especially with so many of the big festival sites that you're literally creating from scratch yeah. and taking over urban space. Mm. Um, but it's um, you know, it's a beautiful campaign. Mm. Yeah, is the goal just to get bigger and bigger every year? I mean, Edinburgh is 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 the big one. Yeah, on the... Edinburgh's the mothership. I yeah. mean, Edinburgh's the 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 largest. Arts festival in the world. Is you know, that? It's, it's like do you long for a day when you can say we are? No, not as ne- big. As not necessarily. Edinburgh? Not necessarily. Um, we we keep a very careful eye on on the growth of the festival because um, sometimes big bigger is not better, mm. um, and it's at a it's at a scale that's really nice from a cr- critical mass perspective. You know, there is so much going on, etc. But um, if it gets too big, the the competition between shows starts to get a little little much and mm. you certainly that certainly comes up every year with with a festival the scale of edinburgh mm. um and we the fact is we're, we're also you know we're not in a city that has access to all of europe yep. as a market yeah yeah marcus canning is our special guest on this edition of inspiring stories we'll be back with much more in just a moment right here on 882 6pr you're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. And welcome back to this edition of Inspiring Stories. Marcus Canning, CEO and founder of the Fringe Festival, is our special guest. Uh, just in terms of putting the Fringe Festival together, Marcus, uh, I'm imagining that you would have to, and it sounds like an awful part of the job over the years, having to go all over the world and see what it's doing at some of these other festivals and handpicking ones that you like and bringing them back. Have I, have I totally yeah, romanticised your role? Uh, people do have quite a romantic idea of, <laughs> of you know, the jet-setting lifestyle of anyone attached to arts festivals. Um, but, yeah, at the, at the start of the, the Fringe World story, um, there were a few key festivals that um, I travelled to to establish some, some relationships mm-hmm. um, that have really fed, fed Fringe World. One of them was this amazing festival in, in the Netherlands called yep. De Parada. Um, and we realized early that we really needed a lot of pop-up theater infrastructure. Um, and we needed to find somewhere that could supply that kind of thing. And I discovered this, this amazing Dutch festival that had been doing this kind of thing since the sixties. Um, and so I went and visited this family. It was a family, family run festival, um, made friends with the oldest son of this family and convinced him that, um, it would be a great idea to spend what is their winter 
bringing bring their infrastructure mm. over to to um, Perth for for summer. And so part of Fringe World's um, success has been this this amazing group of very large Dutch men that come every year <laughs> with their with their pop up tents, etc. And and build so they, these they still grounds. do this. Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah they're definitely part of the Fringe World family. Um, and. Oh look, you know, nowadays I don't I don't travel around much at all. I've got a I've got an eighteen month at home, mm. um, uh, but uh, a lot of the teams still do. Um, Amber's Amber goes to a lot of the festivals um, all around the world. Um, she went to Avignon last year, and um, yeah, encouraged some of the some of the really great shows that are in in this fringe festival to to get here. Um, yeah. I suppose you've got to get uh, the balance right again. Talking about getting yeah. balances right, but uh, nurturing local artists as well. Yeah, look, we that percentage of how much of the program is is local yep. is is a real definer yep. for us, you know. Um, and and it's always like over fifty percent of the festival yep. is is um, yep. local talent. Also, how we can use the the whole world of fringe network to help get local work out out into the world. Mm. Um, and we're, we're thrilled to have seen over, over the years how many WA shows have got out there and, and you know, been very successful mm. in other international fringe festivals and, mm. and other main stage festivals um, due to being launched at Fringe mm. World, yeah. How do you go now being a, being a dad and has it forced you to sort of compromise the level of dedication um, to um, your work? Oh, I don't, I don't think there's been any compromise at all. Um, you know, uh, or at least delegate a little bit more. Yeah. I think, it, you know, I think becoming a, a, a parent, um, you know, makes you, um, in some ways a lot more dedicated. It certainly makes you a lot smarter, I think mm. in, in how you use your time. Um, it's very important for me nowadays to get home to, you know, do, mm. do the, bathe in bed mm. um and and it just you know makes you restructure the way you're doing things yep i think it, you know but i know for me it makes you a better person as well so probably yeah. a better manager yeah and slightly more tired that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it calms you down a bit yeah when the festival's on um you must be coping with minimal sleep i imagine yeah look i i've never needed much sleep yeah, I think um, you know people go like, oh, you know, you should see someone about your insomnia. It's like my insomnia is a superpower that allows me to <laughs> do more in a day. You know, um, I I I don't need much sleep. Um, Lucky you. Yeah, but look, this um this festival, it's been thrilling. Like Little Hunter, he he's seen his first shows. Like I yep. literally took him to some of his first shows on the weekend, and um, yeah, that's that was a real thrill actually. Yeah, him, great. Yeah, him getting into his first circus performance. For those who are just completely. Uh, Unfamiliar with Fringe Festival. Yeah. How do you describe it to them? Uh, it is an absolute cornucopia. Yeah. Um, you know, there's over 750 shows on. And across that 750 shows, they, they, uh, there is such incredible diversity. You're going to find something in there that you're going to love, stuff that completely inspires you, stuff that completely blows you away, stuff that, you know, shocks you, stuff mm. that really pushes you. Um, and I just, I, I love being in a really late night audience and seeing seeing a pretty risky show and looking around that audience and going like, oh, this is great. Look at, you know, there's, mm. there's grandparents alongside their grandkids. There's, you know, there's this really interesting thing that, mm. that happens the, the longer we're running and that's, that's more and more and more people coming out and getting into it yeah. and kind of just going like, wow, I wouldn't see that at any other time mm. of year, would I? Yeah. 
And I suppose you can get away with it. I don't know if that's the right phrase to use, but uh, you can incorporate those sorts of risky or risque uh, elements uh, in an atmosphere like Fringe, can't you? Yeah. It, it seems people these days are so uh, easily offended um, and so quick to react yeah, sure. uh, to things. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you ever found yourself... Uh, looking at a show going, oh, I would love to bring that and, and have that part of Fringe, but I don't know if it's just a little bit too far into the into the risky. Absolutely not. No? No, no. No, I think one of my favourite stories across of, uh, across Fringe World, when we first started, yep. the, the pilot season, um, we, that's the only time that we've selected an array of shows and put them on to see how they'd go, mm-hmm. right? And we, we chose one show um, from New York just on, on reputation, mm-hmm. um, The Freak and the Showgirl, um, which was, you know, from New York underground burlesque kind yep. of royalty. Um, and it's it's a really challenging, shocking kind of show for some. Um, and I'd, I was in the first um, showing of that in the Spiegel tent. Yep. And there's, you know, there's a, the phrase we use, what happens in the Spiegel tent stays in the Spiegel <laughs> tent. You know, it's a magical, magical place. Um, but I'd, I'd been... I'd done a breakfast with um, um, some Rotarians mm. the week before and um, had suggested some other shows. And when I was standing there and I saw a booth full of some lovely old Rotarian ladies. <laughs> oh, God. Um, whilst there's st- some stuff was rolling out on stage. And I, I thought, oh, my God, it's going to be on the cover of the West tomorrow. We're, we're doomed. And at the end of this show, it was standing ovation. Everyone was... Um, you know, they were so into the energy of it. Yeah. And I went over to this booth of booth of, of lovely old dears and, and went like, hello, ladies. Like, this, <laughs> this wasn't the show I recommended. And they just said, oh, Marcus, we are, we're more than capable of choosing our own show. Thank you. But we, we've only got one question for you. And that's, um, was that legal? <laughs> and I just thought like, wow, Perth, hello. Yeah. You know, I think, I think this. Sorry, thing, I missed it now. I think that, I think this fringe world thing is going to be A-OK because I think people really want it. Yeah. You know? They want to experience something that they, that they've never experienced before. Mm. And um Fringe World is a safe place where that yeah. can happen, you know? Yeah, it's a safe zone. Mm. I suppose you have to be a little bit fearless, don't you, then when you're going out and, and, and putting together a new program. Yeah, oh look, what's the artists who are fearless? Yeah. Oh, we're just we're just there to to help them be fearless. I mean that's that's mm. what I find so inspiring about full time Artists, performers who are this is that this is their life. I didn't. I never had the courage to do it. Mm. You know, um, and that's that's what we're there for. We're there to to create that space where those artists can really give you their energy, give you their their creative you know voice, mm. and um, we believe it makes the world a better place. We really do. How much longer are you going to be at the helm of uh, of Fringe? Oh, I don't. I don't know. It's a, it's never evolving animal. It's an ever evolving mm. beast. The team gets bigger and bigger every year. Mm. I mean. When we started Fringe World, there was like four of us, you know, operating from a little room, and there's there's over a thousand people behind the scenes mm. with with the festival at the moment, um, with over three thousand artists participating. That's, mm. that's amazing. That's Extraordinary. amazing. Yeah. Uh, after the break, uh, we're going to chat some more with our inspiring story uh, tonight. Marcus Canning, the CEO and founder of the Fringe Festival, back with more in just a moment here on eight eighty two six PR. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra and O'Day, generations of excellence since 1888. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. 
And welcome back to this edition of Inspiring Stories. Marcus Canning is my special guest. Marcus, fringe uh, and, and art rage aside, uh, how do you see Perth in terms of uh, its its uh, evolution over the last uh, you know two or three decades? Um, you know, when you're walking around Perth, do you think people are are becoming more and more tapped in uh, to arts and culture generally? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think... Um, I'm thinking, you know, when you walk down, you see, um, you know, big graffiti murals on a wall yep. that are considered a piece of art, yep. not a piece of vandalism. Yeah. Oh, look, I think uh, the the presence of art within the city environment, within the urban environment, the role that the public art can play in, in creating really dynamic civic mm. spaces... Um, there's certainly things that have really come to the fore in in Perth over the last last twenty years or so, um, but art and culture and creativity is as part of part of the everyday, mm. as part of um, what it, what it means to be West Australian, mm. what it means to be living in Perth. Like it's we we really we love the fact that um, Fringe World is is now just very much. It's just like not oh, it's Fringe time of year, yep. right? You know we're gonna we're gonna block out three weeks, four mm. weeks, and just you know, go out every night and mm. and see stuff, mm. see stuff, and kind of be, then talk about it for the rest mm. of the year. Um, but the way all the different types of of art and culture that are on offer in this city are yeah. all working together to, yeah, to make the, make the place better is is an ever evolving, mm. ever growing thing. I remember when um, uh, an article came out in the West and, and pronounced. Uh, uh, Perth is Dullesville. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, I actually know the Geno who wrote that story, and I don't think he quite realised the hand grenade that he was lobbing uh, into the public sphere back then. But uh, were you one of the people that came out and just went, oh, hang on a minute, I'm not standing for that? That would have been about 15 years ago, I reckon. Yeah, look, and yet we're still talking about it. Exactly, yep. exactly. But um, were you one of the – did you get upset when you heard that? Um, it was. It was a very large – Title on on the front of the mm. I mean, it must have been a slow news day. You know? I, look, I suspect it might have been, <laughs> and, and I don't think that was an original, uh, you know, application of that I word think, to, a, um, to a city. I mean, but it, but it certainly it it it, it created a, a conversation. If it did, else. it did. I I've stayed in this place and I've always been inspired because I've never found it dull at mm. all. And what I've kind of what I've kind of enjoyed about the the rise of of certain kinds of underground culture and independent culture and, you know, left of center stuff um, through platforms like Fringe World is that now a whole heap more people get to enjoy it. Whereas once it was like, you know, little niche, you needed to know where this stuff mm. was going on. And it's part of, it's part of mainstream. It's part of the pop, you know, popular culture now, um, which is great. You know, it's that, that, and it's that which shakes off the Dullesville tag, mm. you know? Um, yep. It's 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 all this this different wild cultural stuff being on offer, um, but you know I I, I I can't say we've been we haven't been motivated to to fight the tag. Mm. I think we've just been really motivated to just put it on offer, like just, make make the yep. life better for for everyone through it. Mm. You know? um, mm. Can I ask? You mentioned earlier you uh, ventured into uni and, and studied mm. fine arts with a, a dream, perhaps, of becoming a uh, an artist in your own right. Um, does that fire still burn for you? Oh yeah. Look, I mean, I, I'm I'm proud of the work that I've I've done, especially in public public art. Yep. Um, what What do you do for those who don't know the work mm, of of Marcus so getting outside the, of 
fringe. What, what what's your own work that you put your name to? It's it's um, sporadic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the two the two big pieces that people probably know the most. Um, there was a there's a piece outside St George's Cathedral, mm-hmm. um, opposite Council House, um, which is the big kind of white flowing billowing form. Um, that was a work that I I did in collaboration with another artist, Christian Javitri. Um, Back in 2008, I think, but you know that's that's become quite iconic. Mm. Um, you know, it's a very contemporary representation of the Saint George and the Dragon myth. Um, and the other piece, which is more recent, um, is the the rainbow, or as people now refer to it, the containbow, um, <laughs> which is the rainbow made from sea containers yeah. uh, um, that greets you when you cross the bridges entering Fremantle. Yes. Um, so it was a you know iconic mm. new entry statement for Fremantle, um, and that that was a work that. Did a few years ago, um, which has become pretty. It it's become it's become iconic. You know, it's yeah. like the the kind of Instagram posts and stuff around it. Um, I know that there are people that fly in from Singapore for pre wedding photos, yeah, and they they get their photo um, out the front of the little boat shed on the, the mm-hmm. river on, on Mounts Bay Road, yep. and underneath the the containbow, um, it's. You know, it's 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 taken on as kind of a life. Uh, it's, it's become a real symbol for Fremantle. Yeah, you know, it's it's referred to a lot in all sorts of different ways, mm. um, which I love. I love it when mm. you create something that um, um, is is for the people, mm. you know, and is 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 there to represent something that's actually not about you mm. at all, um, mm. and that it just takes on its own life and is just people start to create all their own stories around it and their mm. own, yeah, experiences around it. Yeah. Is, is that something you would like to do more of in the future? Those oh, sure, sorts of, sure. Uh, um, is that a commissioned project? Yeah, so that was yeah. – um, these these things usually come about where um, a call goes out, um, you put a proposal in, you might get shortlisted, um, and then a successful proposal is chosen. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's – it's a rare opportunity that mm. um, a a big commission, you know, one that has a, a decent budget, so you can do something mm. big. Um, I think it's because I'm quite a short man. I think I, I, <laughs> I lean to wanting to make big things. I think it's a little bit Napoleonic, but um, so I know I don't. I, if the commission opportunity is big enough, but also yeah. if the site and the the meaning around it is right, yeah. that's that's when I will put my hat in the ring. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can I ask when 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 you get an opportunity like that come up, the Fremantle yeah. Rainbow? Yeah. I, I ask this as someone who doesn't have an artistic bone yeah. in my body, not not in that sense anyway. Um, did you have a clear idea when you saw the uh, you know the the offer go out? Did you say, "Oh, this is what I'm going to propose," or is it something that evolves over time? Just trying to trying to tap into yeah. how your creative mind that one uh, that works one was actually. I mean, it's you know you you're working through ideas in yeah. a, you know there's there's a certain kind of process methodology there, but that one was a bit of a light bulb moment, mm. and they're, they're f- f- rare mm. that that kind of real like bing when it just mm. appears in your head, fully formed, yep, um, and just feels so right, and you know it it kind of just from that point just spoke for itself, yep, and just it made perfect sense when suddenly it was there and built in reality. Cause yep. it's like from that light bulb moment all the way through involvement of all the different contractors, the structural engineers, mm. the amazing crane crew, the people who customize the containers, all those things. Um, yeah, it just, it flowed really beautifully. Yeah. Must give you a buzz though. When you oh, see God, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd someone love... having their photo taken on, yeah, a, on a day, I'd... like a wedding day for yeah, instance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Every time you drive past, there's some, some different crew underneath it. Yeah. 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 
Do you drive? Do you go out of your way to drive past it? No, no. <laughs> that phase is past. No, I grew up in Fremantle, so you so, you yeah. pass it enough. Yeah, it's yeah. all right. Okay. Uh, what's left for you to achieve? Have you got things that are uh, are burning ambitions for you? Ah, oh, look, t- I'm just I'm I'm super interested in in my 18 month old boy at the moment. Yeah, you know? mm. um, yeah, that kind of has recalibrated some things. Um, but look, I I I love the fact that the festival is is large enough and, and that it's it's got its own momentum. Mm. It's going in new directions all the time. Mm. Um, I've got a new venue that I'm developing yep. um, with uh, with Agent Finney. Yep, that's due for launch a bit later in the year. Um, that's a very exciting project. Um, and um, yeah, and we're also looking at another amazing big old heritage building up the top of East Perth, the old Perth Girls School. Oh, uh, right. I'm starting to look at some activation strategies for that with, right. the, with the owners and developers of that building. Yep. So, yeah, there's, yep. there's some new stuff that's, that'll be rolling out that'll, that'll manifest in the next mm. fringe. Um, but, yeah, it's exciting and, time. And just as you rebelled against your parents by following your artistic uh, <laughs> instincts, uh, the product I, I look, of, of two medical forward, practitioners. I look forward Are to you hun- ready for Hunter? Oh, I look forward to Hunter becoming a, you know, a tax accountant. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Hello to all the tax accountants tuning in right now. We love you. No work. offense at all. No. We need you. We no, we do. In all seriousness, uh, Marcus, all the best with all your future ventures. We can't wait to see what you uh, create along thank the you. way. And thank you very much for your time. Yeah, you've been listening to inspiring stories here on eight eighty two six PR. Everyone has a story to tell. This one brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Next week, I'm joined by journalist, presenter and guest speaker, Susanna Carr. She, of course, has been bringing you the day's news alongside Rick Arden since 1985. Here's a little taste. Talking about fascinating assignments, though, tell us about your adventures to the Kremlin. Oh, that was amazing. One day I'd, li- I'd like to write a book about that yeah, because well, there's a background story I was going to ask that later. Are you too. going to? Well, gosh, so much happened on that trip. It really was amazing. I mean, we were, we were so lucky to be in there, but the situation that we got ourselves into was really quite bizarre as well too because we actually turned up at the Kremlin with a crew to make the documentary and the first meeting we had with the Kremlin, the man who was organising the exhibition that was coming to Australia started talking to them and it became obvious to us that not everything was quite as it seemed or was quite as um, ironclad as it seemed. And the people in the Kremlin said, well, maybe you should go away and come back another day and we'll make the documentary another time. We went, no, we're here. We need to make this now. So that was a little eye-opening for mm. us. Find out what happened inside the Kremlin next week with Susanna Carr. She'll be joining us right here on Inspiring Stories. You're listening to another edition of Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR for Barra and O'Day, WA's family-owned funeral directors. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.